Let me begin by reiterating what I said in the video just a few moments ago. I miss you guys. I know I'm talking to folk all over the world, but listen, I'm talking to an empty building right here. And I can't wait until we can safely begin to regather together and fill up uh, sanctuaries uh, here in Ridgewood City in San Jose, even as we continue with our online campus uh, in the months to come. Cannot wait. Now listen, for those of you who are watching us from across the country and across the world, I, I know you won't ever be able to meet with us physically here, but I still want to connect with you. I want to get a chance to see who you are and hear about how our ministry has impacted your life. So let me give you a couple of suggestions. I, we can connect now. So first of all, let me invite you to send me a brief email. My email address is here on the screen. And uh, just tell me in a couple of paragraphs how our ministry has impacted your life. And attach a couple of photos of you and your family so I can get a sense of who you are. Or, better yet, uh, record a 30, or 30 to 60 seconds video recording on your smartphone and send that to me. And that, that way I get to hear your voice and all that. You know why? Because I want to connect with you. So uh, help us with that. Now, for those of you who are watching this on Facebook, super excited that you are. And if you want to be notified whenever we go live, uh, if you're watching on the Facebook page right now, I'm asking you to take a second and hit that bell that says uh, notifications. And, uh, and you'll start receiving notifications. Also, make sure you hit that button that says all. And if you're watching us in the Facebook app, just hit the button that says notification. All right? Now... One more thing, if you were with us last weekend, you know we kicked off a, um, a series called Hope in an Upside Down World. Here's what I mean by upside down world. I mean, it's when you wake up and you find that you're living in a world where the abnormal has become the normal, where disappointment and suffering is in fact the context in which you're living your everyday life in. That's the world in which uh, the Apostle Paul is writing to the Christians in Philippi. That was the world in which he was living. That's the world that we're living in, turned upside down by COVID-19 and the pandemic, and the list goes on and on. So if you missed last week's message, uh, the website information is right here on the screen. Go check it out, engage, catch up uh, as you get ready to lean in for the day. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks and praise for all that you're doing. Now, would you just move supernaturally? in the lives of those who are listening to me. Now, you orchestrated that, that we'd be talking to each other, that they'd be listening and I'd be engaging. So accomplish your will. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, uh, living in an upside-down world with hope. On last weekend, I told you that the Apostle Paul taught us a secret in the verse that we're about to read right now. And the secret is an insight that helps us to recover, watch this, when in an upside-down world, our dreams are turned upside-down. So let's read the text. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, Paul writes, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust, watch this, that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. That's the insight. You will recall from last weekend that I said that Paul had dreamt of going to Rome 
for years. He couldn't wait to get there to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to the city that was at the really center of the Western world. When he ultimately arrives, however, he arrives in chains. He's in prison under house arrest. His dreams were turned upside down. But as we listen to what he's writing here, he gives us a real insight into how to recover when your dreams have been turned upside down. And I want to lean in a little bit more uh, where, as I pick up where we left off last weekend in this place. How do I recover? Here's the deal. You've got to have a vision. Can you shout vision? Can you type that in the chat? Vision. You've got to have a vision that's greater than your greatest dreams. And for Paul, the vision that was greater than his greatest dreams was to live a life that would in fact bring honor to God in every circumstance. He, he used the term Christ because he was talking about not just God in the abstract, but God as God has revealed himself through his son Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the one that we can trust with the totality of our lives in every circumstances. Can you write in the chat in every circumstances? Now, once you make the decision to honor God with your life, let me tell you exactly what that means. To honor God with your life means uh, to, to, to accomplish the work of God through your life. It means to express the heart of God through your life. And once you make a decision to do that in every circumstance, can you shout every circumstance? In every circumstance, you totally change the role of circumstances in your life. You do. You see, if you are a person of power, but your task is to honor God in every circumstances, that's what you're going to do. You're going to do the work of God. You're going to express the heart of God as a person of power. If you're pushing back against power because you're on the wrong side of power, you're going to still be, your, your task is to honor God in that circumstance. If you're wealthy, if you're poor, if you are an auto mechanic or a mechanical engineer, if you're a factory owner, if you work in a factory, if you're a single parent raising kids at home, if you're an adult child taking care of your aging parents, the task is the same. That in whatever circumstance you find yourself in, your task is to honor God with your life. To accomplish the work of God in that circumstance. To express the heart of God in and through that circumstance. In other words, your circumstances become the vehicles through which God's love and work gets accomplished in the world. You see, circumstances change. The role of your circumstances change. You get that? Does that make sense? So, when you have that posture, that spiritual posture, guess what? you now have what we call sustainable hope. You see, hope is connected to how we value ourselves. Hope is connected to our sense of purpose. And if you wake up every day in a world that is defined by disappointment and suffering, as many of us are waking up in, in that type of world, your sense of value has a tendency to leak. Your, your, your awareness of purpose has a tendency to weak, leak. But if you adopt what Paul is teaching and say, my goal, the goal for my life is to honor God with my life in whatever the circumstance, now you've just etched in stone your eternal purpose and your eternal value, and it is not conditioned by your circumstances. Does that make sense? Wow. 
you ought, to, you ought to type in the chat, wow, my goodness. All right, you know what you need in order to slip into that mindset? You got to be sober. Sober. Can you say sober? Type that, sober. You got to be intellectually sober. You got you to be spiritually and emotionally sober. You know, you, you can't be, in a sense, drunk with the wine of the world, right? You can't be sleepwalking your way through life. You got to be sober. To be sober means that, that you take stock. And listen, if there ever was a time that we ought to be sober, it's now. I mean, given what's, what COVID-19 is doing in the world, given the extent of this pandemic, if there ever was a time that we ought to be sober, which means to take stock of our lives, to, 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 to raise questions about our eternity, about our personal values, about our priorities, about what we're doing with our lives, as opposed to simply sleepwalking through life, it's now. It's now. Here's what Paul says about being sober as he writes another church community in the letter of uh, 1 Thessalonians. Here's what he says. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, sleepwalking. But let us be awake. The young people call it be woke, right? Woke, aware, and sober. All right. Let me share with you a story why that, that, that beckons us into a new place of sobriety. So that we can take seriously making a decision to have lives that honor God in every circumstance. His name is Justin Hunter. Here he's featured with his beloved parents, Eugene and Vera. Just a couple of months ago, you see the joy in this photo was in fact the joy that they shared in life. A few weeks uh, uh, later... All three of them tested COVID positive. And as they tested COVID positive, the son was asymptomatic, but his parents began to experience all the symptoms. Horrible coughing, loss of taste, lethargic, so forth and so on. And a matter of days, they ended up being rushed by ambulance into the Hospital. Now, these are two guys, two, two people who practiced all of the precautions. They both were in their 50s. And around August the 2nd, which is the weekend of Rhonda and, and my uh, 34th wedding anniversary, he lost both parents. They died four days apart. Now, if that doesn't sober you, I don't know what will. Let me just take a moment. Let's just talk about COVID's impact as it turns our world upside down. And I want to come back to this story. Do you know that across the world, 20 million people have tested positive COVID-19 and that 750,000 plus have died? Do you know that right here in America... In small towns like the town I grew up in, Cushat, and big cities like San Francisco and New York, uh, that more than 5 million people have tested positive and 165,000 people like Mr. Eugene and Miss Vera have died. Do you know that's three times the amount of people that we lost in the Vietnam conflict? Do you know that that means that every 77 seconds there's another person dying? 
Does that? Now let's go back to this picture. This puts a family, a face. This puts lives in the center of those statistics. Right? Now, I want to talk about this story in the middle of that for three reasons. Number one, I, I just want to acknowledge that I know that there are some of you who are watching me, you've lost loved ones to COVID-19. And I want you to know that you're seen and that, 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 that our heart goes out to you. Others are watching me. You've lost loved ones. It wasn't the COVID-19, but it was other expressions that have led to death. And I'm just going to take a few seconds and we're going to pause just for a moment. And, and those of you who are watching me, you can just whisper a prayer, asking God to strengthen uh, young Hannah and strengthen others who have lost loved ones due to COVID-19 and other reasons. Let's take a few seconds. Amen. The second reason why I want to show this photo and tell you this story is that it is a reminder that here in America that COVID-19 has done its worst on the lives of black and brown communities. That if you are African-American here in America, you're twice as likely to die of COVID-19 than your white counterparts. So for those of you who are doing the work of trying to bridge the gap around racial disparity, please, God bless you, continue that work. It actually could mean life and death for many. I show you this photo and I share this story with you today because this is a sobering moment for me. I mean, I have so much in common with this family. I mean... His name is Eugene. This is the dad. His name is Eugene. My middle name is Eugene. He and his wife, Eugene and Vera, they were married for 35 years. Ron and I have been married for 34 years. They've got a 17-year-old son at home in the house with them. I've got a 16-year-old daughter at home in the house with me, in addition to my 28-year-old son that lives in Boston. They were college sweethearts. Rhonda and I were college sweethearts. They were Jesus followers. We're Jesus followers. We're African-Americans. We're African-Americans. Do you you see the point I'm making? The fact is, this could have easily been Rhonda and me. If you're African-American or if if you're black and brown, this could have more likely been you, right? Because of the statistics. But at the end of the day, Whoever you are living in the world, 20 million people, 750,000 dying, small towns, big cities, tomorrow, next week, could be you. So if there ever was a time when you need to be sober, when, when, when I need to be sober, when we should be taking stock of our lives, asking some real tough questions, what does it mean to live lives that honor God, that has eternal values, asking tough questions about eternity and values and priorities and what are we doing with our time, rather than simply sleepwalking, even if you got a lot of money, or sleepwalking, sleepwalking, Right? Even if you're a person of power, but you're sleepwalking. It's now. 
Let's look at this verse about sobriety again that Paul writes. I'm going to pull it, look at it through the lens of the New Living Translation. He uses another word as opposed to sober. He uses clear-headed here. Here's what he writes. So be on your guard. He's talking to all of us now. Not asleep like the others. Stay alert. In other words, take stock. Be clear-headed. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed. And here comes the crescendo here. Protected by the armor of faith and love. Not protected from death, but protected in death by our faith in Jesus and by knowing that God's love has us. And wearing as our helmet. So you see where I got this from? The confidence of our, add the word, eternal salvation. And you get the meaning of what he's saying here. So, first question I need to ask you. So, how does one live a life that is sober and clear-headed in an upside-down world? I'll give you three quick insights. First, you got to make sure that you take care of your eternity. I remember uh, when I was a teenager, some of you heard the story before. My grand aunt, who had, was suffering from terminal cancer, said to me, boy, you need to get to know Jesus for yourself. And what she was saying is, you know, in Jesus, we find one who, has, who died on the cross for your sins, who conquered death, who rose again, who lives. If you trust him, you'll have eternal life. You need to take care of your business Put your trust and your life in his hands. Now here's how Paul, this is the essence of Paul's life. He's preaching this all across Asia Minor, right? The same message that my grand aunt, this is what he's preaching to the Christians in Philippi and, and, and all across Asia Minor and Rome and all these other places, right? And here's what he says in Romans uh, 10, 9, 10. Here's, how he says, here's what he says you do. If you only declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. My word for saved is safe. Safe not from death, but safe even in death. For it is, watch this, by believing in your heart. It's not by your works. It's not by your being flawless. It's not by getting all of the I's down and the T's crossed. No, 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 no. It's by believing in your heart. It's a matter of faith that you are made right with God, right relationship. And it is by openly declaring your faith publicly. Let the world know that you've trusted your life to Jesus, that you are saved, not from death, but in death. Here's how Paul hints at it, uh, uh, returns to this insight as he writes the folk in Philippi. And he starts off by, by identifying them as believers and so forth and so on. And he says this, this is his prayer. May God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, give you grace and peace. In other words, may you live a life that is conscious of the impact and the fruitfulness of eternal salvation that flows from God the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ. And he gives us the word grace and peace. Can you say grace? Can you type grace in the chat? Right, grace. Here's what, here's what it means to live a life full of grace. I'm living a life full of grace, having gotten my eternity straight. Here's what it means to live a life full of grace. It means to live a life free from the obligation of having to be flawless. 
Because of what Jesus has done on Calvary's cross, covered all of my mistakes because he's conquered death and gives me a brand new life in him. I no longer have to feel obligated that somehow I've got to be a flawless dad or a flawless husband or a flawless pastor or a flawless preacher or a flawless human being in order to get to heaven. No, he frees me to be faithful. That I don't need to be flawless. I just need to be the best person I can, do the best I can with what I have and where there is a gap between my faithfulness uh, and, 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 and what's, what, where I fall short. His grace, his favor fills the gap. Can you type in the chat, God's grace is a gap filler. It fills the gaps. I live a life of grace right now. If COVID overtakes me next week, thank God I live a life full of grace. I don't have to worry about that I dot all the I's and cross all the T's. And then peace. Can you say peace? Type that in the chat. Peace. Let me tell you what this word means in this particular context. It means to be free from worry. Free from worry. When you know that Jesus has handled the gaps in your life and filled them with your favor, then you're free from worry about what happens when you die. You're not worrying about where your soul's going to spend eternity. You're not worried. You, you know your address and your destination. It's all taken care of, right? You're free from worry. Paul says that his prayer for the folk in Philippi and his prayer for all of us who are living in a world turned upside down by COVID-19 is that we will live lives committed to honoring who God has revealed himself through Jesus Christ, lives full of grace and peace. Is that you? You know, right now you can trust your life and your eternity. To Jesus. There's a connection card that's attached in the web. You, you just say, I want to follow Jesus. You can do it right now. We're, we're going to come back to this at the end, too. All right. So to be sober-minded, take stock of where you are, means to take care of your eternal business. Secondly, Paul teaches us, it also means to tell the people in your life how much you love them. How much you love them. Can you type in the chat, say you love them regularly? Everybody shout, regularly. Regularly. Paul takes time as he writes this letter to the believers in Philippi to talk about how much he loves them. Look at what he says. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. I, I try to communicate this to my staff on a regular basis. I try to communicate this to my family on a regular basis. Those colleagues that, that are close to me, I, I try to let them know that they have a special place in my heart. I'm following Paul's lead here. That's the lead of someone who's sober-minded and clear-headed about life. Why, watch what he says later. Watch, the next one, he says, God knows how much, look, by the way, here's a man expressing his feelings. Come on now. God knows how much I love you and long for you. So man, you don't have an excuse. You, you ought to be able to tell people you love them regularly with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. You know, if you're in a room with somebody, you ought to just take a moment and just say, I just want to let you know I love you. 
If somebody comes to your mind right now, just take out your phone and text them right now and just say, look, I love you. There's no strings, there's no requests. I just want you to know, I love you. You should do it regularly. I don't want to hear this, well, you know, I'm working hard and they got a shelter over their head, they got clothes, they got all this, they ought to know. No, no, don't leave it up to people to connect the dots because when death overtakes you, you don't want to wonder. You don't want to be an imposter saying, I wish I had said, I love you more. You know, when uh, young Hunter talks about his parents, each of them as they were dying, communicated to him that they loved him. But if you listen to his interviews, it's clear that they regularly shared with him how much they loved him. They said it and they showed it. Can you type in the chat, say it and show it regularly? There's one more insight here that Paul, I want you to notice how Paul speaks life into the living of those that he loves in Philippi. Watch this, verse 6. Watch what he says. And I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. I'm certain. Wow that God who started this great work among you and within you will bring it to completion. So on the one hand, I want you to tell the people in your life regularly, use words, I love you. Back it up with actions. But I also want to challenge you to regularly tell the people in your life that you love, not only that you love them, but speak life into their living how powerful would it be for your kids, even when they're messing up, after you, you, know, you, you work through whatever, you, for you to be able to say to them, but I'm certain that God is doing a great work in your life. How, how powerful would it be for you to regularly share this with your spouse or your significant other? I'm certain I can see God at work in your life. How powerful would it be for you to be able to share this with your colleagues from time to time, whether they're believers or not? You can just say, you know what I see? I see God at work in your life. That is not all dependent upon you, that there's a power outside of you that is at work inside of you. You know what? You're going to be all right. I can't tell you how many times during my crazy teenage years that different elderly people in my church would speak that kind of word into my life. Boy, I see God at work in your life. Boy, God's got his hand on your life. And it was their way of saying, I'm certain that he who has started a great work in you, despite where you are now, will bring it to completion. Speaking life to the living of others is a part of expressing your love. It's what people who are sober and clear-headed do. And then... Uh, lastly, I want you to, this last point, think in terms of becoming. To, 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 to live sober and clear-headed, just make sure your eternity is squared away. To regularly tell people you love, speak life into their living. But think in terms of their becoming. Notice, uh, notice this text. When I say think in terms of becoming, here's what I mean. Switch the lens through which you look at the lives of people around you. 
when you look at them and you look at them rising and falling, when you look at them uh, getting it right, getting it wrong, see them through the lens that they are in process. They are becoming. Because when you see them through the lens that they are becoming, it means it allows you to be more grace-filled. It allows you to be more patient. It allows you to be more sensitive. It allows you to be more kind to them. You know, by the way, that's how God deals with you. He sees you through the lens of becoming. Becoming. You're in process. And it facilitates his grace and his favor in your life. Can you do that for others? Watch Paul as he does this for uh, those amazing believers that he loves so dearly in Philippi. Here's how he does this. He says, he says, here, let's go back to this verse. You remember, I said a few moments ago, uh, and I'm certain that. Now, I've highlighted this part because here's the process, that the work in process. That God who began the good work within you will continue his work. It's a process. Until the day of completion. He says, I, I see you rising and falling. I see some of you getting it right and some of you are messing up. But that's all right. It's a process. Watch what he says in this next verse. Watch it. Again, this notion of process. Here's what he prays for them. Wouldn't this be powerful if you would pray this for your kids? This prayer right here. Wouldn't it be powerful if you pray it for the people who are dear to you? Pray. Now, this is what sober-minded, clear-headed people do in a, in a time of, of, of the season that we're living. You start praying prayers like this. I pray that your love will overflow more and more. And what he's saying is, uh, you know, right now, you love God at this level. But I'm praying that, that your love for God will grow. And it will grow to this level, and it will grow to this level, and it will grow to this level, and it will just start overflowing in your life. And, and, and as you love God more, guess what? You will start, inevitably, you'll start loving each other more, and inevitably, you'll start loving people in the world more, and it will overflow, it will overflow, but it's a process. I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. And then you will, watch this, keep on growing. Try praying that for your spouse, that you will keep on growing in the knowledge and understanding. Why don't you type in the chat, wow. That's looking at others through the lens of becoming. Now, let me wrap this up. I've got four what could be life-transforming questions that you need to work through that will help you to make this shift. I'm only going to raise one today, and the other three, make sure you get back here next weekend. You do not want to miss next weekend, and I'll pick up the other three. Here's the here's one, and, and here's the one. Are you focused on what really matters? Now let's go back to the verse where we find this at in Paul's writing. Uh, here's, here's, what he, here's what he says. Actually, go back to verse 10. So I want to pick this up. I skipped over uh, earlier. So in verse 10, he says this. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ returns. Here's his point. In order to live your best life, pure and blameless, you need to have a clear understanding of what really matters. And look at how he illustrates this in his own life, in his own ministry. As he gives report about how people are dealing with him around the preaching of the gospel. Here's what he says. He says, it is true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry. Right? They're doing it for the wrong reasons. He says, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They're doing it for the right reasons. But Paul is saying, I'm not getting distracted by all of that, Right? 
But that doesn't matter. I, I'm focused on what matters most. And here's what he said. Here's what matters most. Whether their motives are false or genuine, here's what matters most. The message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice. And I will continue to rejoice. Because I'm focused on what matters most. How about that? Are you focused on what matters most? I'm going to end right here. Don't miss. I'm going to pick up right here next week, weekend. So get here. Tell some folk. Get here. Uh, in the meantime, let's pray. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your love that secures us in eternity if we trust you. I thank you for your power that is aching to flow through our lives into the world around us. Help us to hear. Give us ears to hear and hearts to surrender and trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, listen. There's a connection card that's popping up in the Facebook and that's also on the web. And I just really want to direct your attention today to the message response. And here's my first challenge. If you haven't conducted uh, if you haven't taken care of eternity, I'm going to challenge you to trust. Remember what I told you. It's just about believing and confessing it, right? I want to challenge you to check this. I will trust Jesus with my eternity. And then once you take that posture, then the work of God and the heart of God begins to pour through your life, right? Just like, just like I'll talk next weekend about how to pour through my wife's life at 12 years old. And so, and surrender to his work in my life. Good point. So I'll trust Jesus with my eternity and position myself by surrendering so that his work and his heart can pour through my life. Why don't you make that decision right now? He said, well, I don't fully understand it, but do you, do, you, do, do you understand enough to trust? Take a step. Check this. Wherever you are in the world, check it. Secondly, for those of you who said, man, now some of you got churches, homes that you gather at regularly and a congregation you're part of. That's cool. That's awesome. And you're just hanging out with us. And I love that. That's wonderful. We celebrate that. There are others of you who are saying, man, I, I live in Houston, Texas, but I wish I could be a part of the ongoing movement of God through NBCC. And if that's you, then I want to challenge you to check this because the answer is yes, you can. So all you need to do is just simply check. I affirm my desire to be part of NBCC's global community. Don't see this as your final step. See it as your first step. And we'll keep talking to you about how to take more and more steps, even in your local area where you live, as a part of what God is doing through NBCC. I'll see you next week, part three, Hope in an Upside Down World. God has a purpose for your life in this upside down world. So I want you to stay with us as we work through this series. And I'm packing a lot of insight and details into these messages. So it's okay if you need to go back and re-listen to them several times. And if, if you're comfortable with taking notes, take notes. As a matter of fact, when you listen to me uh, every weekend, make sure you're ready to take notes if that's something that's, uh, that you're comfortable with. Because listen, we're not trying to entertain. We're really here to give you some insight that God can use to transform and empower your life in this season. Secondly, I want you to take a picture of this 
uh, reflection question, really think about it, process it. You may want to talk about it with others. What might God be trying to strip away in this season to guide your process of becoming what God envisions for your life? 